And if you have more than others, God's expectation is that you look at others' misfortunes or even bad consequences for wrongdoing, and rather than judge, that you help them in their time of need. Many judge God for the wrongs in the world, but don't you know that God is allowing for those things to happen to see if those that have more are willing to help others in need, even if they in some way may deserve what is coming to them? Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about wrongful apathy and that it will be punished. As followers of Jesus Christ, the last thing we should be is apathetic to people's needs. Some people think that the reason why bad things happen to others is because they are paying for something wrong they did. And that is not the mentality we should have in Christ. Even if someone or some people have done wrong things, we always need to remember that we are all sinners and that no one is better than the next person. We need to love our neighbor no matter what. Today's message is inspired on the book of Obadiah, chapter 1, verses 10 to 15. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Blessed Lord, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified and exalted be your name, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven, O Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, O Lord, because you are truly good to us, O Lord, in every kind of way, even though we cannot see it. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the mercy and the grace and the salvation that we can have through him. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you please forgive our sins, that you help us not to take your forgiveness for granted. And Lord God, help us not to take the many blessings that you give many of us for granted either. But help us to know, Lord God, what to do with what you give us. Help us to use things for your honor and glory, Lord God. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the book of Obadiah, chapter 1. Verses 10 to 15. This is the word of the Lord. For violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as of one of them. But you should not have gazed on the day of your brother in the day of his captivity, nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped, nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. In today's message, we see that God's wrath was being fulfilled on the people of Israel and Judah because of their constant sin before the Lord. After God had sent prophet after prophet for many years, warning them of the impending doom, if they didn't turn from their evil ways, the day finally came when the consequences that had been prophesied did come true. And when this horrible time had come, 
The people of Edom, Israel's neighbor, either just stood by and watched or they took advantage of the situation and brought even more horror to their calamity. Even though Israel and Judah were paying for their constant rebellion against God, the people of Edom were either indifferent to their situation or made things even worse. And this kind of behavior was unacceptable to the Lord. And the general takeaway we need to glean from this is that we should not stand idly by, or least of all take advantage of or further torment those that are going through hardship, even if they deserve what is coming to them. One of the problems that many people have is that they think that if something goes wrong with another person, and not with them, they think that they are better than that other person. There is a feeling of superiority, that they are better than others, and that's why they're better off than other people. But that's not right. Some Christians believe that they are above others and that God should bless them because they're supposedly more deserving than others. Some even believe that there should be like this invisible shield that God should guard them with because they are better than others. Is it wrong to want God's protection and or have God's favor because we're following him? Of course not. We should pray for the Lord's protection. We should desire the God's presence in everything in our lives. But the problem is having this feeling of superiority and that somehow we deserve better than others. In general, God has a problem with people that feel that they are better than other people or more deserving than others of the Lord's favor. No one before the eyes of the Lord should feel superior to anyone, no matter how good they think they are. This kind of behavior is simply unwarranted pride. Many supposed believers suffer from this issue of feeling that they are more entitled to be blessed and protected than others. They confuse God's mercy and grace for entitlement and rights. They confuse their apparent well-being for reward and blessing because they think that God loves them more than other people. Even when we have come to the Lord for forgiveness and are following the Lord closely, that does not mean that we deserve better or have inalienable rights that are above others. The only difference between those of us that have come to Christ and those that have come not to Christ yet is that we are forgiven by grace. We have found the Lord's salvation not by merit, but only through the goodness and mercy of God. Jesus, for instance, said this in Luke chapter 13, where it says, there were present at that season some who told them about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And so it is very clear that we are all sinners and that no one is better than the next person and that we all need to repent. Just because something happens to one group of people does not make them any worse than the another that is supposedly having a better life. Temporary well-being is not necessarily a sign of God's choosing one group over another because one is better than the other. Let's bring this to today's world. Just because Ukraine is going through what they are going through right now does not mean that they are worse people than those of us in the United States, for example. And quite honestly, if there are those of us that enjoy a better life right now, then God's expectation is that we do something to help those that are less fortunate. 
For it is written, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. There are many people that have much, and we're not talking about the super rich or the elite, because that is where most people's thoughts go first. If you woke up today in a place with freedom, and you're able to live your life in a way where you're able to study and to work and obtain what is necessary for you to live, you are living in a luxury that many people do not have in the world. And they don't necessarily have those things because they're less deserving than others. They're not worse people than us. Or rather, we are not better or more deserving of good things than others. Are you starting to get the point? If God has given you different blessings, they are only out of his good pleasure, but not because you are better or more deserving. And if you have more than others, God's expectation is that you look at others' misfortunes or even bad consequences for wrongdoing, and rather than judge, that you help them in their time of need. Many judge God for the wrongs in the world, but don't you know that God is allowing for those things to happen to see if those that have more are willing to help others in need, even if they in some way may deserve what is coming to them? We will all be judged based on our actions, especially if we choose to ignore the pain and suffering of others. The more you have, the more God will require and account from you. If he has given you more, then he will expect more from you. You do not have what you have because you are more deserving than others or because you are smarter and or work harder than others. If God would have allowed for you to be born in poverty, then that's where you would be. If you have intellectual abilities, it is because God has granted those to you somehow. We all have what we have because God desires to see what people do with what they have and how they use what they have for the benefit of others and not just to fatten ourselves up. We read of this, for instance, in the story of Lazarus and the rich man where it says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. We read that Abraham even calls the rich man son. This rich man that was in hell was the son of Abraham also. So it doesn't matter who a person is, but rather what they choose to do in life. God's expectation for this rich man was for this rich man to have looked upon Lazarus' need and to tend to him. Lazarus was laid at his gate, so the rich man knew full well of Lazarus and his need. Yet he chose to ignore Lazarus' condition and to just satisfy his own desires. Sooner or later, every single person will give an account for their actions before the Lord and pretending to be a believer in Christ will not earn a person entrance into God's kingdom unless they truly do 
the Lord's will. Faith alone does not save a person. There must be good works as a result of their faith in Christ. They must be like Christ and do as Christ did in order to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus showed the way to the Father. And if we want to enter God's kingdom, we should do the same by following Jesus' example. So it's not just about believing. And least of all, saying that you believe and not caring about other people's needs and living for your own delights and desires. Leading a selfish and superficial life will not lead to eternal life, but rather to eternal condemnation, just like what happened to the rich man in the story we just read. James chapter 2 says this, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And the passage warns again where it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. What else did Jesus teach? Luke chapter 6 says, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. And so if you would someday find yourself in need, what would you like for others to do for you? Would you like to be ignored? especially when people right next to you have within their means to help you in your time of need? Would you like for people to eat in front of you when you're starving? Would you like for people to flaunt what they have when you have need of everything? Are you starting to understand what God's will truly is? What we should be doing as people, as followers of Christ? Many Christians mistake following Christ for holy living. And yes, living a God-fearing lifestyle is important, but it should go beyond morality. What is most important to the Lord is that we learn how to love our neighbor. That is what good works are all about. What is more important to the Lord, that you feed the hungry or that you sing nice songs in church? Or is it more important to the Lord that you give to a, build a luxurious church building rather than help someone get off the street? Or is it more important to the Lord for you to enjoy your companionship with those that have no need rather than help those that are lonely and that have no one to care for them? The Lord himself said this, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they said, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? 
Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. So you see, it is more important to the Lord for us to learn how to care for others as a sign of our faith rather than doing religious things. The Lord always points back to what should be the foundation of our faith as it is written. For the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. We should show our love to the Lord by the way we choose to love others, our neighbor. Now, some might say, I'm afraid of people taking advantage of me, or it doesn't appear that people appreciate the good that is done for them. The Bible says this concerning these last times in Matthew chapter 24. It says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So what does that mean? There will be much evil in the world, like it is now. And with evil, there is either ungratefulness or trickery or deceit, all things that involve sin. But we are urged to endure doing those things that are pleasing to God until the end. And God's desire is not conditional. In other words, who cares if people appreciate or not what is done for them or if they have wrongful attitudes and or deceive. The only thing that should matter to us is that God is watching what we're doing and that we will only give an account for what we do, not for what other people do or don't do. Jesus even taught us this regarding our love for our neighbor, where it says in Matthew, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So you see, it should be inconsequential what other people do or don't do. If we are even to love our enemies, then there is no excuse for not caring for others in need. The bottom line is that selfishness is the worst sin of all because it goes completely against God's true will. Being selfish, indifferent, or worse, abusing others in need are things that God completely disapproves and will not be forgiven in this lifetime and least of all in eternity. Superficial faith will never justify anyone before the eyes of the Lord. 
God looks for more than religion in people. He desires love, true love, for both him and for other people, even for our enemies. And that means that there is action involved, good works. And so we can safely conclude that wrongful apathy is unforgivable before the eyes of the Lord. And we should always be concerned about how God sees things because we will all stand judgment before him someday and it will be his standard that we will be judged by. Salvation can only consist of true repentance and conversion and complete submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that includes loving our neighbor as ourselves. People need to repent and convert from their selfish and loveless ways, and they need to embrace the Lord's direction because in a Lord-servant relationship, the servant is supposed to do as his master directs him to do. That is the whole premise for salvation, and that is the whole purpose for our existence. That is the way to salvation through Jesus Christ. It doesn't get any simpler or more practical than that. If we want to be saved, then we must do as the Lord tells us to do, and apathy goes completely against what the Lord teaches. And so, what is the least that a follower of Jesus Christ should do? What should a genuine follower of the Lord Jesus Christ that wants to inherit eternal life be doing during these difficult and perilous times that quite frankly may not get any better? The Bible gives us this very wise counsel. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, if helping physically and practically is completely clear out of your reach, which is highly unlikely, I would say at the very least, pray for the needs of others like if they were your own needs. Treat others as you would have them treat you. Ask the Lord to help them to supply whatever their need is. Sometimes God allows for us to go through hardship, not because something wrong has been done necessarily, but rather with the goal that we understand fully what the experience is so that we can help others that are going through similar situations. The Apostle Paul said this, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And if you don't know what it's like to go through what other people are going through, we all have the ability to just imagine for a few minutes what it would be like. How would you feel if you were hungry, without clothes, without a home to live in, lost loved ones, without anyone to care for you, in dire need, being very sick or terminally ill, at the risk of being killed at any moment, being wrongfully persecuted or imprisoned, and so on? Think about real needs others may have and make them your own in Christ. The Bible says that we should pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that we have to literally be praying 24-7, but it does mean that we should pray often. And they don't have to be long sessions with fancy words or anything like that. You don't need to be dramatic. We're not going to impress the Lord with our theatrics. The main thing is that our prayer needs to be heartfelt and genuine. It can be done anywhere and for a few moments. 
Sometimes it's even good to have a prayer list to make sure you don't forget the things that people you would like to pray for. However you do it, think about the issues like if they were your own and intercede before the Lord accordingly. God wants us to care, so we should care. But as always, the Lord encourages us to always look to see how a need can be met physically and practically through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Many times we can meet certain needs and also it is a good thing to encourage others to get involved also to inspire them to love the Lord and to love their neighbor. We need to be salt and light of the world. Christ needs to be seen in our lives. Always think God is watching. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us, O Lord, to be aware of our surroundings. Help us, O Lord, not to close ourselves in our own little worlds and in our own little comfort, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, not to be indifferent to the pain and suffering that may be around us or even from a distance. Heavenly Father, help us to be able to have caring and loving hearts. Help us not to be selfish. Help us not to look for our own needs and desires, Lord God. But help us to be able to have other people in our minds. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to look to help them. Lord God, I pray, O oh Lord, that you help us to always remember that there will come a day when we will all give an account for everything that we've done. Lord God, I give you thanks because your salvation is through grace. But your grace, your salvation has a purpose, has a reason, has a why. And the reason why you saved us is to be able to do your will, Lord God. You didn't save us just because. You saved us with a reason, Lord God. Help us to understand that reason and to be able to, Lord God, live out that reason, that purpose that you have set in our lives, Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ died on the cross for a reason, for a purpose, not just because. Help us, O oh Lord, not to be selfish people, not to be apathetic people, but to be caring people, to be able to reflect Christ in our lives so that others may see that you are real, that you are true, and that you love them as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.